My goodness gracious, that's good, wasn't it? I don't care what anybody says, that's good. Thank you, guys. Thank you, choir. Thank you, all of you, for singing today. It's just been a great worship service and our singing, so thank you so much for, for taking part. If you brought your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. God spoke to me through this passage of Scripture the first part of the week and studied, 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 and I'm going to talk real fast because i got a lot to say, and uh, you listen real quick, and because uh, I want to get it all out. Mark chapter 4, familiar passage. I want to share with you a sermon that I've just entitled, Discovering God in the Mist of My Storm. Discovering God in the Mist of, of My Storm, or as the slide says, of the storm. Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41. All of us have experienced physical storms one time or another. We've, had, we've experienced snowstorms. We've experienced ice storms, thunderstorms, and of course perhaps more severe storms such as tornadoes and hurricanes. And for the most part, all of, the, for the most part, all of these were unexpected storms. But in Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41, you have the disciples of Jesus experiencing an unexpected storm. So take your Bible, God's holy word, follow along as we begin reading with Mark chapter 4, and we're going to read with verse 35. And the same day when the even was come, he said unto them, Jesus speaking, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind and waves. The waves beat into the ship so that it was now full, the ship full of water. It, it was going down. And he was in, Jesus was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and they said to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, and he rebuked the wind, and he said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased. There was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and they said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? This morning I believe that God wants us to see in this text first two problems, and then one response the disciples had to those two problems. The point is, how can we be encouraged when life throws at us some stuff that we're not expecting. Now all of us have or will experience these unexpected storms in our lives. It's really just part of living in this old world. But I want you to notice there are two problems with the disciples were experiencing. First of all, the first problem was a, a physical problem. The next was a spiritual problem. The first was physical problem. 
Verse 37, look at verse 37. There arose a great storm. Some translations say it's a raging storm. It was really a bad storm. It was a great storm, a raging storm. And they started out on this journey just simply to go across the Sea of Galilee, and suddenly there was a storm. Now, it's not unlikely for storms to come up on the Sea of Galilee. Years ago, I had an opportunity to go to Israel, and uh, one of the things I looked forward to doing was taking a boat ride across the Sea of Galilee. And sure enough, we hopped on board and we went across, we were going across, and all of a sudden it turned dark and the wind began to blow, and I just thought of this passage of Scripture, and the winds came and then the water, uh, the, the, the rain came, it was a deluge, I mean, just water everywhere, and then all of a sudden it cleared up and a rainbow, I have a picture in my study of me standing on that ship, on that boat with a rainbow in the background. And the Sea of Galilee was designed kind of like a bowl. It's designed, even today still, like a bowl with mountain, mountain ranges around it. And um, it's kind of like a toilet bowl. It, all of a sudden, it, the wind comes down in, in that bowl, and the water begins to swirl. And before you know it, you have a serious storm. It's very frequent there on the Sea of Galilee. It's apparent. It's a bad storm. It was a raging storm, a great storm. It, it was a, a real, and, and it just appeared suddenly. Isn't that what happens to us in life? I mean, everything is rosy and smooth and going good. One minute, everything's great. The next minute, we're in an, in an unexpected storm, a real storm, real to us, tangible. I mean, Difficult circumstances, but a storm. So the first problem they had was a physical storm. Second problem they had was a spiritual storm. Look at verse 38. And he was in the hinder part, speaking of Jesus. He was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillar. So Jesus is on board, so you have a raging storm, and now you have a resting Savior. He's on the boat, and he's just resting. Now, in every story, in every narrative in literature, you always have some type of conflict, something that keeps us interested, something that keeps us from turning the channel, something that keeps us glued to it, something that keeps us on the edge of the seat, something that keeps us listening. It's no different here. The conflict, though, that the disciples were experiencing, they're really the, the conflict was not the storm. The problem was Jesus was asleep. That was their problem. The storm wasn't the conflict. They'd been in storms before on that same sea. That was, that was something common. The problem was Jesus was sleeping while it appeared that the ship was going down. It's taking on water. That was the problem. Have you ever been in a circumstance an unexpected storm where everything's fine one minute and all of a sudden there's chaos the next minute and it seems that you were drowning in the storm. This boat was taken on water. What's some possible storms? Well, your storm may be a conflict with a spouse. Your storm may be a conflict with your children, your parents. Maybe a bad diagnosis, maybe a bad test result. Maybe the loss of a job, 
Maybe your health is just declining. I know what that's like. It's harder for me to get up out of the floor now. I grab hold to everything I can find. I used to pop up. Now I just I roll trying to get up. Hey, Terry, don't you? Oh, you're not quaint with that, can't you? So you find yourself in all this chaos in our storms, and Jesus just doesn't seem to care. He seems disengaged. He seems disinterested. Here's the point. Jesus seemed to be asleep at the time that we need him most in our life. So you have physical storms. You have the spiritual storms. Here, here it is. Jesus is not acting like we think Jesus ought to act. Now, they knew how Jesus was supposed to act. Chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, he healed people. He cast out demons. Chapter 4, he, he taught about the coming kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they knew, the disciples knew that he was the Messiah. They knew that he was the, the deliverer. They knew that he was the Savior. But now they're in the storm and Jesus is asleep. Go figure that. Everyone knows don't you know that Jesus is supposed to be helping and he's supposed to be acting and he's supposed to be caring and intervening in our, in our situation and, and doing something, isn't he? Well, what was their reaction? Well, I'm afraid their reaction is a lot like ours at times, a lot like mine when these two problems come together, when the physical problem comes together with the spiritual problem, what's our reaction? The physical, the spiritual come together. The spiritual is not playing out like we think it ought to be playing out or it ought to be played out. And so their first reaction toward Jesus was frustration. Frustration. Notice in chapter, uh, verse 38, the B part of that verse. Master, carest thou not that we perish? A literal translation of that is, Jesus, we're drowning. What do you care? Frustration. He wasn't acting like they thought he should act. He, he wasn't doing like they thought he should be doing. They were frustrated, and it, it evolved into, from frustration, it normally evolves into anger. Have you ever been so mad at God because he wasn't acting and doing what the way you thought he should act and the way you thought he should do? Here's the point. There are times that we become so frustrated with Jesus because he's not acting and he's not doing like we think he should. And so we find ourselves in this unexpected storm. It appears that Jesus is disengaged, he's disinterested. I mean, he's, he's just not doing it and we become frustrated because he's, of all people, not doing anything about our storm. And we know what he is. He's the, he's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the Deliverer. We've read about how he's acted before. But look at verse 39. And he arose, Jesus, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. So Jesus just speaks to the cause of their situation. And all this swirling wind and swirling water and all of that all of a sudden just, just stopped. 
Peace, be still. It stopped. Be quiet. And it did. The wind stopped. The waves stopped. The water stopped. It was calm. Now here's, here's caution. We need to be real cautious here. It's easy to say in this text and derive from this text to just say, Jesus comes the storms of life. I mean, I, I've, that's what I've gathered from this text at times until I've seen it differently lately. Because he has the power to, and, and he can, and, and he did. Mark chapter 4, he, he stopped the storm. But remember, this, this was not a spiritual storm. This was a physical storm. This was a raging physical storm. It had high winds and waves. It was a real physical problem. The point is, that's what Jesus intervened in. That's what he chose to come was this physical storm. But Jesus doesn't always choose to calm the storms of life. Um, those physical storms, maybe at times, maybe not, Sometimes he just lets us ride them out, see. But God has put into place a number of things that help us calm our storms. Like if you're having a financial, if you're in this financial crisis, then God has financial advisors and good counselors. He uses them to help us calm storms. And if you're having problems with a marriage, a, a relationship is kind of come and unwind he has uh, marriage counselors and he has pastors and and he has people that can intervene therapists he uses those my daughter's one and he uses those you know to help calm storms and then if you're going through some some indebtedness I mean the banks can help in certain degrees to help calm the storm you have resources if you need food if you need clothing you need housing there's different resources God permits us to have where it can calm those storms. Point being this, be careful not to spiritualize the passage and say that Jesus calmed anything but the physical storm. We're going on. Because if you spiritualize, now get this, if you spiritualize the passage, if you spiritualize the storm, then you have to spiritualize the person who calmed the storm. So the passage really is not about a storm. <laughs> it's about a guy who's asleep on a pillow who gets up and says, Peace be still, and the wind and the rain and all the water had to obey him. That's what the passage is about. This real life storm had to obey. Now don't miss this. Jesus did what only God could do. He did only what God could do. The Jews knew that the only person who could calm a storm was God. They knew the only person who could command nature and, and the world to be quiet was only God. 
Jehovah, Yahweh, God of the Old Testament, the maker of the heaven and the earth. One had power over all creation. I won't take time to read, but read Job 38 and Psalm 65 and Psalm 104 and Psalm 107. How how the Bible says God has control of the mountains and he puts borders between the ocean and the seas. And they knew the only person who could had power over that storm was God. They knew that there was only one person that could do this peace be still thing, and that was God. And that was according to Scripture. And so here's the point. Jesus did what only God could do. Now, what does that say? (laughs) Jesus... What's that make Jesus? Makes him God. Isn't that good? That's good, isn't it? It makes Jesus God. And so Jesus asked his disciples two questions. And, and we want to we ask those to ourselves this morning. Number one, why are you afraid? He, I, he turned and he said, why are you afraid? There in verse 40. Why are you so fearful? Is Jesus God? Yes. If Jesus can have victory over the weather... If Jesus is in your boat, if you're in the midst of chaos, the question is, why would you have any reason to be afraid? Why would you be afraid if Jesus is in your boat? First question, why are you afraid? Second question, have you you still no faith? Now, faith is misunderstood a lot by individuals. Some think faith is a leap in the dark. They believe, if you believe strong enough, if you really believe and believe and believe and believe and believe, it's going to happen. It's gonna, if you really believe, it's going to happen. Really? You, you really think that? If you just really believe, it's going to happen. You, you just speak it, you name it, you claim it. It's going to happen. Friend, listen, that's a leap in the dark. Real faith, authentic faith in the Bible is not a leap in the dark, it's a leap in the light. Faith has to have an object. Your faith is as strong as what your object of faith is. Faith always has an object. You just don't have faith, but you have faith in something, and that something is God. Not a leap in the dark, sleep in the light. Therefore, God speaks, says something. I say, okay, I'm going with that. I mean, it may not make sense. I may not understand it, but but I say because He's God, I'm going with Him. I mean, I can't rationalize it. I don't understand it. I can't put all the pieces in the puzzle. I mean, I see, but see, that that can be used to describe salvation faith also. You may be here this morning and you've never been saved because you can't figure it out and you don't understand it. It don't make sense. Here's the point. He is God. He speaks, and we say, okay, I'm going with him because he's God. So when he says, you're a sinner, well, some people say, well, 
Ah, no way, man. No way. I mean, when I compare myself to those down there at Mountain View, and then I begin to list all of the things that I do that's good. However, God says, I'm a sinner. He's God. I'm going to go with what he says. He's God. And then he says, you know, I have a purpose for your life. I have a plan for your life. I can't. I couldn't leave you in the situation that you were in as a sinner, so I came. I sent my son into the world to die on the cross for your sins. I took your place. I paid your penalty. And if you'll just accept me as Lord and Savior of your life, I'll give you eternal life. And I say, man, that's hard to believe. How can a homeless man do that? How can just a human being, 33 years old, do that? But God, you said it, and you're God, and I'm going with what you say. Now listen, I may not understand it. You can't rationalize it, put the puzzle together. Maybe a lot of wind, maybe a lot of waves all around, but he's God. He said, I'm going with, this is what I'm telling you, I'm going with him personally because he's God. That's what faith is. And after we become Christians, faith still plays out a role in our life. We read his word. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. He, he speaks to us. We listen. We act. Not because we're always understanding. It's simply because he spoke it. He's God. And we know it's going to be right. Here's the point. If you're here today without Christ, I just simply pray that you'll place your faith and trust in him all about what he said in regards to salvation, in regards to you as a sinner, in regards to repenting and turning and changing your mind about your sin, changing your mind about Jesus, trusting him as your Savior. Verse 35, notice what he says. He said this, he said, now let us pass over to the other side. Isn't that kind of neat? So when Jesus made that statement, you can be sure of one of two things. Number one, he didn't know that the storm was coming. Hey, we're going to go over on the other side, guys. Now, he either, first of all, he either didn't know that storm was coming and he was caught off guard. Well, if, if that's true, then he's not God. Or he knew exactly what was about to happen. He knew that he was going to, he knew that he was going to be in the boat. He knew the disciples were going to be afraid. He knew the storm was going to come, and he knew that it was going to be a terrible storm, but he knew that they were going to make it. Better translation should be this. Now that you believe, we're going over on the other side. You see, sometimes... He chooses to let us ride out the storm with him, but he's right there with us. You see, God in his sovereign, in his sovereignty, he, he's working out our suffering, he's working out our pain, he's working, he's not disconnected, he's not disinterested, but he is God. Now this leads us to a question that leads to a response, and I'm about finished. Verse 41. Notice what he said in verse 41. Mark chapter 4. 
Mark 4, verse 41. And they feared exceedingly. Well, verse 40 uses fearful. Why are you so fearful? And then they feared. Two words there, fearful, fearful, and feared. Two different words. I mean, spelled similar, but they, they take on a different meaning. And they feared exceedingly. First, he says, why are you so fearful? That is shaking in your boots, fearful. And then in verse 41, they feared exceedingly. That is, they were kindly reverenced toward this person by the name of Jesus. I mean, doesn't it say that in a way? I mean, what manner of man is this? See, they showed some respect and reverence. So you have a posture that comes about in 41. They fill with great fear. Shaken in their boots, verse, four, uh, verse 40, 41, they had this healthy fear. They had this type of reverence. And notice the change. They had a change in their posture to a change in their perspective. Verse 41, they said, who is this man? Now, they moved from Jesus being a healer and a counselor and the provider, chapters 1, 2, 3, remember? And teaching on the kingdom, chapter 4, they moved from from him being the healer, the counselor, the provider, their perspective is moving from that view from one, even from one they call a teacher in verse 38, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Teacher, do you not care that we perish? To a new reality, to a new perspective. You see, when you have a change of posture combined with that change of perspective, Jesus is no longer just a person who comes storms, but he is what? Who is he? He's God. He's God. So Jesus is God and he's working. He's working through your situation. And he's worthy of your trust and your obedience and your worship. That was their response. He told them, you're going to the other side. They hadn't got it yet. They they'd not truly realized who he was. They not truly realized he was Yahweh, God of the Old Testament, or the maker of heaven and the earth, or, or the Lord over all creation, because they were seeing him in a different light. They were seeing him as the healer and casting out demons that acted in times of trouble. But they pulled up short by seeing him as God. So this morning, as we come to a close, when those unexpected storms come to us in our life and those difficult times come and those chaotic times come, painful times come, it all comes down to this. Do we believe that Jesus is God? That everything he says is true and everything that he says is going to come about. If we do... It's at this point that in the midst of our storm, sometimes he chooses to calm the storm, and sometimes he chooses to just ride along with us. We realize that God's in the boat, and we say, I, I know he has the ability to calm the storm, but if he chooses to ride the storm out with me, to sustain me in the midst of my pain, my suffering, we're going to get to the other side one way or the other. We're going to pray in just a moment. And I want you to hear a song before we close. I want you to bow your heads. And I'm going to share a little acrostic with you. 
and the acrostic is just pray, you've realized perhaps today that Jesus is not only the healer, the comforter, the miracle worker, but he's, he's more than just those things. Jesus is God. And whatever you have in your life right now, you're, 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 you know that God's aware of it. The creator, the sustainer, and he's going to get us to the other side. Regardless how, he'll calm the storm or he'll be in there with us and we'll, ru- we'll ride the rough wave to- waves together, but we're getting to the other side. I'm going to give you a little acrostic, and as I give this acrostic, I want you to pray. And the acrostic is just the, the word prayer, P, P, first P. During this time, praise Jesus as God of the universe. Take that time and do that right now. Just praise him. You'll remember this. Praise him as God of the universe. R, repent a failure to believe who Jesus is, that he is God. Sometimes we miss that point. We forget that. Just repent of the failure to believe that Jesus is God. And then A, ask Jesus to help you in your crisis. Ask him. And then why yield afresh to his lordship? Just yield to his lordship over your crisis in your life. God, you're Lord. You're in control of this. I'm just along for the ride. But my faith is not a leap in the dark. It's a leap into the light. And my trust is in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Heard a song this morning. I wanted you to hear it. Now, it's a little upbeat. Please keep your seats. It's good. I love it. But the message is great. Listen to it. Let God minister to you through it because uh, he did me, and I pray he will you. Listen to this, and then Terry will come and lead us in invitation here. Ah, what a message. When the solid ground is falling out from underneath my feet Between the black skies and my red eyes I can barely see And when I'm feeling like I've been let down by my friends and my family I can hear the rain reminding me In the eye of the storm See the future. I- 
Spirit's already spoke to your heart. You know the decision you need to make today. And so I've shared a message with you about being in the eye of that storm. Two problems, physical, spiritual. And we realize perhaps for the first time that Jesus is just more than a counselor, a good friend. He's more than just one that does, did miracles. But he's God. And he's in control. And what he says we need to do, he says that I'm a sinner. I don't need to argue that fact. He's God. I accept that by faith. That's true. He says if I trust him as Lord and Savior of his life, he'll save me. That's true. He will. He'll give me eternal life. That's true. He will. But it's a decision that we make. If you haven't made that decision, you need to come today. We don't need to sing four or five verses of a song. The Holy Spirit's done dealt with your heart. You need to step out and come. Be obedient. He'll bless you for it. Rededication of life, that's a, that's, if you feel God's leading you to do that, that's great. That's fine. If your life as a Christian is not what it should be, you're, you're bearing a testimony, a good one or a poor one. You're leading someone to Christ or away from Christ as a Christian. If you're to the point where you have to tell somebody you're a Christian, you've got a major problem. So make that right today. Transfer your membership. If you feel that's where you need to get plugged in, we're on mission. Now, here's the point I failed to mention. 
We're on mission to reach a lost world to Jesus Christ. Sometimes our mission gets hindered by a storm in our own personal lives. But uh, we need to get back on mission by realizing that God's in control. He's in the boat with us. Hope that message came across. First verse, you step out and come today. Come for prayer.